0: Welcome to Native Yoga podcast. So happy you are here. My goal with this channel is to bring inspirational speakers to the mic in the field of yoga, massage, bodywork and beyond. Follow us at Native Yoga and check us out at nativeyogacenter.com. All right, let's begin. So pleased to introduce you to Jody Bloomstein. Jody's been practicing Ashtanga Yoga since 1994. She's got a deep connection to the practice. She has practiced with some of the premier teachers, including Patabi Joyce and Tim Miller, and many more. She founded Priya Yoga in Chicago back in the day. She directed that for eight years. She's been. She lives in Los Angeles. She held down a Mysore program for Yoga Works and she teaches currently on Zoom. I highly recommend you check her out. Please go to her website, which is JodiBloomstein.com, spelled J O D I B-L-U-M-S-T-E-I-N.com. You can find her on Instagram, Jody underscore Bloomstein. I'll put the links in the notes below. And she's awesome. This is a a really great conversation, and I'm so excited that you are here. All right, let's begin. Jody, I'm so happy to have a chance to chat with you. How are you?
1: I'm doing great, Todd. Thank you for including me in your project.
0: Oh, thank you so much. I really enjoyed the chance to, I've only got a chance to meet you once in California, in San Diego at a training, but. I was really in awe of how inspirational you are as a yoga practitioner and I haven't had a chance to take class with you, but I'm guessing that flows also over into your teaching. How, how, how do you do it? <laughs> how do, do it? How do you do um, it? How do you do it? cute.
1: Um, you know, I mean, I just, how can I explain this? Well, I'm, <laughs> I'm, turning 52 in January and I started practicing when I was 25 and um I have this thing that I like to think of this which is that you know I have a lot of belief in Ashtanga yoga and Mm. I really like to think of it as like I've I've let my belief in Ashtanga and my faith in it really kind of lead my journey nice um and kind of lead like some, some of the major choices that I've made along the path of my life um and boy, sometimes, you know, sometimes that's not easy. Um, and yeah, I just, I do love teaching this practice. Um, I've, I've also just loved all the twists and turns and the different kinds of things that have had to pivot, especially even, you know, in the last two years. Yes. Um, so it's been a pretty wild ride.
0: <laughs> I hear you. If, if you started at 25 and you mentioned close to 52, you've been practicing for now longer than you haven't.
1: Oh yeah, I know, yeah, right? Yeah, uh, that was it. that was a moment. I was like, oh boy, <laughs> I've been doing this half my life. Um, yeah, yeah, that, a lot of. Pre- I like to think like my life is a lot of sun salutations. <laughs> yeah,
0: have you ever tried to add up how many sun salutations you might have done in the last oh twenty seven years?
1: <laughs> I have not done that. You maybe you want to do the math, <laughs>
0: right? <laughs> I'll I'll get back to that. That might take me a little while. And, um, you know, that's a good point that you mentioned in the past two years. It's, it's even kind of crazy that it's been two years. Uh, How Mm -hmm. has, before I even venture down the road of asking how your teaching is evolved just within the last two year period, has your Mm -hmm. practice evolved or changed or shifted? Are you just as interested as you ever were? Have you taken time off where, how are you doing?
1: Yeah, that's awesome. Um, well, it certainly has been impacted. You know, right before. Okay, so I'm just trying to think of the the month in February of 2020, I had a, I had an accident mm-hmm. where I um I got hit by a go kart. Wow. <laughs> I was go karting with my family, and um, a go kart flew and it hit my shoulder, my left shoulder, Ugh. and it threw my helmet off and it hurt my neck quite badly. And um and at the time, I was like. I was like in a real, I I actually was in a really good place. I was doing a lot of third and I was feeling really strong and, you know, life with kids and practice is an up and down thing. And I was just, I was just getting into that good Uh sweet spot Uh when I got hit. And that was in really late February. And just a few weeks later, COVID happened. And then I was home with my daughter Mm. and, um, you know, and a bunch of other things happened. So the first, months were not great. I mean, I was homeschooling, I had um, just a lot of chaotic things that had to, that had changed yeah. and I had this injury, you know, and I was I was dealing with treating the injury um, and just kind of getting it in place. Um, and then what happened was because my teaching pivoted in a certain kind of way, um, I decided that it didn't feel right for me to do just my online classes. Mm. That didn't feel mm. like I felt that I wanted to do some my online classes, but that what people really needed more was the voice and mm. the, the movement mm. and that it, like the community, of course, but like, um, but I wanted to provide, you know, more of my voice and, Do do, you, are you
0: referencing in the idea of doing like lead classes more of like teaching flows and, and yeah.
1: Well, no, I kept with, I I mean, it sort of evolved over time, but essentially what developed for me during COVID was a six day away, six day a week, zoom online program, Mm -hmm. but that had, you know, I offer different things on different days. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: So for instance, one day's lead primary and one day's lead intermediate. And one day's half and half, mm-hmm. and I do like something I call half primary plus. And I just found that you know, especially then, that people just they wanted to show up, they wanted to plug in. Um, but I didn't want to leave them in that spot of like trying to figure it out themselves. Mm. It's just I felt like people needed to be held more. Yeah. Um, and so that's kind of anyway. And one of the ways that that impacted me was that I found myself doing it with them on camera a lot, you know, very yeah. Tim style. Um, <laughs> I do, I I like to do lead with my class. You know, I got that from Tim mm. and I find that there's something in that exchange, even in person that is not just beneficial for me, but like really beneficial for them. Um, I've always wanted to like put myself on like, I'm just another practitioner, you know, same yeah. level as you. Yeah. We're doing this together. It's our thing. We're a community. And, um, And so a lot of my practice was happening with my class, Mm. which of course is very different than like running into a micro room and doing my practice or even doing it by myself. So not every day that's happening, but that's happening a little more now for me than before. I'm teaching like an intro to third online. Um, Yeah, so...
0: That's awesome. Do, There's you, f- a lot of it. Do you feel yeah. like I had a similar experience where once we switched over to doing things in front of a camera, it that I felt like I needed to demonstrate it more, which then caused me to mm-hmm. practice a lot more. And I feel like I've practiced yoga, like physical asana yoga more in the last two years than I, mm. than I have in a really long time. Did you find that as well? Or was it like a one time um. a day? <laughs> yeah yeah it's
1: kind of like well it was i couldn't afford to practice separately from my classes right like a lot of those you know i have a kid and she was doing school i mean and she was like starting middle school from her bedroom um yes it's amazing how much you have to do you know (laughs) like the cooking and the cleaning and the holding it together it was amazing so um so, yeah, I found that I was doing it, you know, it, it was a lot because I was also managing a a, a big injury um, that really impacted, you know, I couldn't really do third in those first, you
0: mm-hmm. know,
1: in really the first 10 months at all mm-hmm. um, was completely out for me. Um, so I just, I was sort of rehabbing myself at the same time
0: yeah. and juggling
1: along. but, but cha- It's feeling, challenging,
0: right? You're like if you're not feeling great to be yeah. moving that much.
1: Yeah, that's all. Yeah, but um, I'm not. Yeah, but I'm. I actually thrive on like figuring out how to use the practice to heal. Mm -hmm. So it's a big part, and I I just think that that that's you know really important. And so you know whether that means you know I do the whole practice with no chaturangas, you know in some way. There's Mm -hmm. there's about a couple different ways you can do it. Yeah. Um, I just, you know, I figure it out. That's awesome.
0: So even with a pretty severely injured shoulder, like you said, left shoulder, Mm -hmm. neck, you you would still Mm -hmm. move and teach the classes. Would you be teaching the class and then maybe not actually demonstrating the chaturanga and or an up dog, down dog? Or were you just doing like a cow Um, cat?
1: It really just depended on what my body needed at the time. Mm, My general modification would be like exhale plank. Mm. inhale up dog exhale down dog mm. yeah so I could you know I could manage all of that I was never really in a place where I couldn't
2: yeah
1: um I couldn't do that much yep. um <clears throat> it, it kind of you know now I'm much better I'm actually able to do all my chatter nice. um and <laughs> <laughs> um yeah I'm still dealing with it it's not it's not it's not complete the neck part especially but oh. um but it's definitely better in, in you know, I'm kind I'm of getting back into things, but yeah. yeah, go
0: ahead. That's okay. Were you able to seek out, like, obviously that was a really awkward time in like March of 2020. Mm-hmm. And then well, I'm <laughs> guessing that you were seeking out alternative or treatments, body work yeah. and or physicians. Did, was that yeah. all bizarre or did, <laughs> did that go easily? Sure. Did a, it was. Yeah.
1: yeah. I was yeah. lucky. Like I have a chiropractor I've worked with for a long time and, and <clears throat> he stayed open right during that time. And, he, he was one of the only places I was leaving the house to go to with mm-hmm. to see him.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and I did that for a while, but then eventually there was a point where like my doctors were like, you know, we want you to see a shoulder guy. Mm-hmm. And I went to see a short, like a shoulder specialist. Um, and he started me in physical therapy mm-hmm. by, by fall. Gosh, I, I can't believe how long it's been. Um, oh, by no. October or November, I was doing physical therapy, and I've been doing that now since then, uh, once a week, twice a week, depending. And um, and that's been pretty pretty helpful for nice. me.
0: Yeah, uh, I've never gone to physical therapy. Was this your first time going, or have you had to yeah. go before? What did you? Yeah. What have you learned? Do you find it was very similar to what you've learned in yoga? Do you find you learned? Did you learn something that was unique and different?
1: Um, yeah, it's been really nice for. Well, first of all, what they do in physical therapy just to kind of give you the, the rundown. It's like generally an hour. The first half hour you get treated on the table, and the second half hour is sort of like. You know exercises, right? Mm-hmm. So it's got these two facts. So for me, I really like to lay on the table, <laughs> yeah. um, and that's just really nice that I get treated. Yeah. Um, and when it comes to doing that work, um, it's been really helpful. So it's been useful. I think my students have benefited from it too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, particularly, like I incorporate when I teach. I have a class that you know called Intro to Third, and you know, it's funny. I'll just segue a tiny bit into this, but like, Please. you know, I have this six day a week thing that I'm doing on zoom that I like to think of as like a full week program. And, um, and while I do teach in to of third, I don't limit people from coming to it. Yeah. Um, if they're curious and it's not like you have to be coming to my second series class to come to that. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> the intro to third class is sort of like includes a lot of therapy for the shoulders, in preparation for the arm balances and nice. like what I think of as like foundational poses that you kinda have to master before you can even look at those poses in third. Mm-hmm. So I spend a lot of time giving them these foundational pieces and kind of encouraging them to work on that. Um and some of that's really included physical therapy stuff that I've picked up for shoulders.
0: That's awesome. Um, yeah. That's really cool. How if we want yeah. to join you, do we go to your Ooh. website? Jody. Yeah, I have there's a there's,
1: uh, a, there's yeah. a Zoom link. Uh-huh. I always post this on my Instagram. Mm-hmm. Uh I post a lot on my Facebook as well, which is a little bit um which is a little bit unclear right now. My Facebook is going through a transition, but there's going to be a Facebook page. Um <laughs> And um, But, yeah, I always post my Zoom links. I, I try to post about my schedule and my classes, you know, as consistently as I can, but it's hard to do a lot of social media. Mm-hmm. Oh,
0: yeah, it's a lot of work, right? One, oh, my God. One, one thing that's blowing me away lately is that I've always heard this term from web designers that, like, there's the front end and the back end. And, you know, the front end mm. is what we see and the display that the public sees on the back end you know, I've always kind of imagined, you know, there's these web designers back there and like, what are they doing back there? And like, how do they, it's always seems so like the code and writing it and then figuring out all of the search engine optimization and all that stuff has always seemed so complicated. And lately I, I keep trying to learn as much as I can and I'm just blown away at how much there is on the back end. Like the amount of work mm. that needs to be done for all, yeah. all of these digital, um, the, the yeah, other way medium. we're moving forward. Yeah, it's it's a, it's incredible. What mm. what do you tend to focus on the most? Like when you decide to put your time into something, are you are you mostly with an Instagram person? Are you mostly web? Uh-huh. Do you, I know you're doing a lot? So, but
1: yeah, what I do is I'll put together a post. I will, and I just simultaneously I throw it into all the spaces at once. I do Instagram, Facebook, Mm -hmm. and Twitter. Mm -hmm. I just, even though no one looks at my Twitter (laughs) and I don't follow anybody on Twitter. It's just that I have it and so it kind of just goes Um, and I just try to do that as consistent, you know, a little bit. Maybe once a week it really gets done. Um, Probably less, unfortunately. It's hard Um, and then I do like a once a month email blast which, you know, I feel is pretty important for really keeping people connected. And I just have a a lot of people from, you know, there've been times where I've traveled and taught on the road a little. It's been a long time now, but luckily I, you know, was smart enough to collect some emails along the way. And, um, you know, I have a bit of a list. So I like to do a little email blast.
0: Nice. I yeah. I was just looking at your bio on your website, and it made mention that you'd been uh, holding down the Ashtanga program at Yoga Works since 2004. Can you mm-hmm. update us on where Yoga Works is currently?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: because um, you're in LA. I just I, I want to preface yeah. that to uh, yeah California, yeah. Los Angeles. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right.
1: yeah, so thank you. I so yeah, I came here from Chicago, and when I moved out here. Basically, kind of got. I got very lucky, and I ended up at the Center for Yoga. Um, and just to say, like, the Center for Yoga is a really special place. It's not on the west side of LA, which you know Santa Monica sort of like you know just has always has been like you know the mega sort of source area for like a lot of yoga things. Yeah. Um, not necessarily Ashtanga, but yoga in general. Um, but the Center for Yoga is a is more in sort of mid LA Mm. and it's been, it's considered the oldest yoga center in all of Los Angeles and it's pretty historical. It's like in this pretty amazing space on a cute little kind of trendy little street um, with a lot of shopping and restaurants and, um, and what was I going to say about that? Oh, well, I mean, it has history, um, a friend of mine, whose name is Danny Paradise, mm. he's like one of these older yoga guys who, yeah. you know, learned the original practices from David Williams and Nancy Gilgoff. He told me that, you know, he came to LA in 1977. And at that time, the center was run by Ganga White and his girlfriend, Anna, Anna Forrest. Mm. And um, he claims that, you know, he taught the first Ashtanga yoga class ever taught in Los Angeles. Uh-huh. At the center for yoga, um, and so um, I was just lucky that you know after my daughter was born and things kind of evolved, I I landed there. I mean, I was teaching a little bit in Santa Monica for Yoga Works as well, but um, but really the program that I did there for a very long time um, ended on the first day of the shutdown. Mm-hmm. So I, I did it from you know like 2004 until the day they closed the center. And the center closed and completely.
0: Then like me, like it not going to open again.
1: Well, so what? Ha- it's it's an interesting story. So Yoga Works closed everything, mm-hmm. you know, obviously, and then um, in the fall, in September, started letting go of leases. Mm. So we lost Montana Avenue Yoga Works, which was you know Motti and Chuck's original Yoga Works yeah. on Montana, like a really important. Place.
0: that's in Santa Monica um,
1: that's the Santa, that's Santa Monica, Monica. yeah mm-hmm. that was the first one they let that lease go um and then they let the lease at the center for yoga go and you know when when it first like was not da- happening we I mean we went we said goodbye we cried we had pujas there you know we chanted um the teach you know it's just like it was a really big deal and there was a woman who had taught there who lives on the east coast now but she had taught there and she started making these videos that got viral, got really viral called like revolving around the center. And they were interviews with different people about the history of center for yoga uh, and um, pretty awesome. Nice. Revolving around. Her name is Kim fish. I'll and, check that out. Yeah. They're beautiful. Um, anyway, as, as it happened, there was one student who had a fierce passion about getting it open again. And, she just happened to have the skills to raise the funds and bring the right people together. Politically, she had to get—you know—she really. I mean, the least they were asking for, like an extraordinary amount of money wow. for rent at that space. Um, but anyway, the center reopened yesterday. Wow. Um, yes, and it's not going to be called Yoga Works anymore. So it's not a Yoga Works. It's going back to the original center for yoga. Wow.
2: Um,
1: But the way that this is all going down with sort of the current climate and everything, um, the the first schedule they're putting out doesn't have any asanga on it. um, And I don't know. I'm not real sure what will happen. I'm I'm talking to them, um, but I'm not clear that when I go back, if I go back in a few months, that, you know, it's going to be kind of what it was before. Yeah. Um, I might do something different and it might be something better. Um, good point. And I'm just not really sure. I don't think it'll be like a five day a week, my program. I -hmm. think it'll be something a little different. Um, so anyway, it's, it's kind of unclear. Yeah. At this time, but the center has successfully reopened its doors and under new management and people are doing yoga with masks on at the moment. Yeah. And, um, and i think it's a vex vac- right now it's they're mandating a vaccine to get in the door yep. so i just don't know you know like how it's going to look a yeah. few months or a yeah. year down the road
0: that's yeah. you know i think that's really good news though because there's been this feeling personally and or was speaking with other people that that there's this like like what is going to happen to yoga and the yoga mm-hmm. community you know moving forward so for these sort of influential influential places that have been holding it down mm-hmm. for a long time to stay alive, mm-hmm. come back. I think I think we need that. Yeah. Psychologically, you know, physically. You know, yeah. Like, yeah.
1: yeah, totally. Totally. Yeah. And, and and it was a feat. I mean it really required it required an enormous amount of money wow. to make it happen. And yeah. um yeah. you know, I I think that um you know, one of the things about a space like that is that's the kind of space. I mean, I taught in the upstairs room, which was a smaller room, you know, for my sort. But there's a giant space there. The kind of space that you do a, you know, a workshop with Anna a forest or, mm-hmm. you know, a, mm-hmm. an event. And and um, those spaces, I think, are harder to come by. And, you know, those kinds of events for a community are super important
0: to be able to have somewhere to go,
1: you know? Absolutely. So, yeah. That's really cool.
0: Yeah, good news. Did, um, and so now you're sold right now, currently, you're working with the online and haven't actually gotten back into teaching in a physical space. Is that true?
1: Well, um, as of what's happening right now is I'm teaching on Fridays. I teach my lead primary online and I'm zooming it out of a smaller space mm-hmm. that is near where I live um, and um, using that space to do a sort of a lead class with people there yep. as well as online. So I'm sort of exploring that. Nice. Um, yeah. And then on the other days I'm online and, I'm, and what I'm really focused on actually is, is sort of doing semi-private groups with people. Mm-hmm. I mean, I have to say that one of the things I wasn't doing at all I mean, for years, I did not teach a private for, I don't even know, for how long. Uh And now, COVID, um, I did online privates with people around the world. And I did, I started doing in-person privates in people's, you know, yards and things. Yeah. And I really come to realize, like, I want to work really closely with my students. I mean, obviously, I did that in the Mysore room. Yeah. Um, but I really like invite people when they come into my online community. Like uh, I always, you know, we'll have like a fifteen minute Zoom chat with them privately. Like I really want to know what's going on with mm-hmm. their practice and take the time to give them really, you know, good attention. And um, and I and I'm interested in doing sort of a like my sort of groups locally. Um, people seem to like being outside right now, so. Yeah. You know, yeah. my service locally with groups of four to five people where I can just give people really good attention and, you know, it is costing a little bit more for them, but like I want to, I, I want to offer a little bit more. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so it's tricky. It, um, I'm trying to <laughs> offer a lot of different things so that, that, that there's something for everyone, you know?
0: I hear ya. It is tricky. I'm glad you're still going full and strong though, like really trying to work it and figure out the best Mm -hmm. angle to go. And um, I think that's super important these days. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean,
1: I want people to be able to practice no matter what, you know, Um, you know, my online zoom, I do my online zoom as a donation. Um, So those, what I consider my, my online classes, I don't specify, you know, I just, encourage them to donate something. Um, And that's it. So I try to make that accessible. That's awesome. Yeah. Nice. Mm -hmm.
0: I'm not sure how familiar our listeners are to the third series of Ashtanga Yoga. But one Uh thing that I remember you, when I was watching you practice is you came up with creative ways of sequencing and you had made mention a little bit about that that you had learned some of that from Nancy Gilgoff and practicing with her on Maui. Can you explain uh, sure. a little bit about what your theory is around um, like changing the order a little bit? I mean, I know uh-huh. you are very you know traditional shangha practitioner, but you also seem to like. Like you said, let people come into the intro to third without being, you know, Mm -hmm. totally perfect in this, that, or the other. Can you explain Uh a little bit of your philosophy there?
1: Thank you for asking this question. This is so great. Um, (laughs) So I guess what I'll say is, okay, first of all, like these days, there's what's considered traditional, right? Mm -hmm. What's considered traditional now is what is currently taught in my school, and that is, you know, primary series second series and what we call advanced or no third series, right? Mm-hmm. Third series. But if you go to Maui and you practice with Nancy, she would never call, she, she calls it them advanced A and advanced B, mm-hmm. not third and fourth. Okay. I, so in my story they call it third and fourth. When you look at what like Sherat's teaching is third and fourth and what Nancy teaches is advanced A and advanced B, they're different sequences. Mm-hmm. They're pretty, pretty different. Um, mm-hmm. Nancy's versions of Advanced A and B line up with you know if you ever see David Williams did a big poster yes. two years ago yeah. of him photographed as a young man in all the poses and that's the Advanced A and B sequences and, and that's what Patabi Joyce taught them yeah. so like those are just straight up what they learned exactly as they learned it but those things evolved into the third and fourth we have now mm-hmm. um, so. So I had a really interesting experience learning third because I was sort of out in the world studying with, you know, Tim Miller and Lino Miele and, you know, learning third the, you know, the way, which was, you know, I was doing second and then I'd add the first pose and add the second, kind of had that experience. And for me, the way that went was, you know, I was getting through all the poses right up to Urdhva B <laughs> and I couldn't get my Urdhva B so that was where I was stopped. Yep. Um, and then the day I got my Urdhva Kukutasana B about two weeks later I found out I was pregnant with my daughter and so boom <laughs> pretty that, much that stopped
2: <laughs> for <laughs> a while. Right.
1: Um, and I was just sort of stuck in this place for a very long time. I, I, I always say that I pretty much for about 12 years did full second in the beginning of third without really pushing through third Mm. and really not getting through the arm balances. Um, And what that did for me was it made me very flexible and probably you know, overly flexible. And as I was in my 40s I went through a period of time where I encountered some pain in my lower back and hips. And I just I kind of think of it as like I was just way too flexible and not strong enough.
2: God's you know, right. when
1: you hear, hear stories about, you know, people saying, Oh, I did primary for too long, you know, and it messed up my knees. Uh-huh. Well, you know, we need to move into second at a certain point, right. Yep. To kind of avoid that thing. And it's the same thing. If you do second for too long and don't go to third soon enough, this is my understanding of it. Yeah. You don't, you, you don't stabilize and you just become this like, you know, extremely bendy spine that doesn't have proper stability. So I was going to Nancy, um, i Maui. I kind of made that my, my thing. And, you know, I came in there one year and I was in pain. I was struggling. I came back the next year and I was really in pain. And she just said to me like, you know, and during that time I would do things like, well, I'll just do primary for a month. For, mm. Oh, I'll just be mm. sucking for a month and, and, and I wasn't getting, nothing was kind of helping with the pain and I was literally just like, I don't care what I'm doing, I just don't want to be in pain and I'm just going to back, you know, slowly retrieve to this <laughs> dwindle down practice and um, <laughs> and so, um, yeah, and but she looked at me and she she knew exactly what I needed and what I needed was to do all of third. Uh-huh. Right. no, that's a little bit of a, like, how do you get there? Yeah. You know? yeah. So literally one year she said to me, okay, I couldn't even put my legs behind my head because I did it was too, it was too much. So she sent me home doing second without putting my legs behind my head. And uh-huh. she likes it fast. She likes you to move fast. Your practice shouldn't take that long. It should be pretty, to, you know, really, really fast. Mm. And you know, even if you're, you're just lifting your foot in front of your forehead, take the pose, do it, to you know, do the modified version and keep moving. Yeah. And I did that for six months and then I was putting my legs back behind my head, and no pain. Uh-huh. Um, now her method for teaching third is different. And I have really played around with this a lot in my mysore room over the years and I just. I, have, I, I kind of customize it to the student, right? But essentially what her method is, <clears throat> is instead of teaching the first pose and then the second pose and then the five leg-behind-the-head poses, the yeah. four arm balances, um, she she takes a student who's doing all of second and then, you know, cuts out the headstands at the end and sends you right to Urdhva Kukutasana A. Yep. <clears throat> and gotcha. she adds each, you know, one at a time until you're through Ashtavakrasna, and you're doing all the arm balances, and <clears throat> she likes you to do that for about six months, and then she splits you, and you go back to doing second, and then on your third days, um, you start you add the first part that she didn't teach you
2: mm. into
1: the second part, and she does the first part, which when I say that the five leg behind the head, so she does when you get to um, kashiyaparna, right? She does, and I I actually don't do it this way, but this is how she does it. She does all five of them in a row. So you go right leg behind the head, Kashyapasana. you sit up, you lift for Chakrasana, you just keep going. Vairavasana, gotcha. no Vinyasa there. Boom, boom, boom. Then there's a Vinyasa and you jump to the other side. Uh huh. Um, so me, once, you put, my,
0: once you put the leg behind, you just stay and do those five poses with that right leg there, Vinyasa yeah. on the left side. That's yeah. cool.
1: That makes sense. That's how she, yeah. Now, no, I mean that's how everybody does it in her room. She's pretty. She knows that. Like I, she just lets me do it the way I do it. I the way I do it is I do kasyasana, right, left. No, I do kasyasana right, vinyasa, left, vinyasa, and then I I merge, and then I do a I do the two. Mm. Okay, so how can I, I want to explain as mm. well. I do <laughs> chakrasana and birevasana on the right. Yeah. I take a vinyasa. I go to the left. I do the same thing, right? And then I jump through for I do the last two together as well. Does that make uh-huh. sense? It does. <laughs>
0: it makes. Yep. So you did like so, one, then you do two together. Vinyasa two uh-huh. together. Yep. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So because I can't, my neck gets a little irritated. Oh yeah. If I, yeah, I'm I can doing relate. Many. Yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah, and I have some disc issues in my neck. So. Just a
0: little irritated or a lot, not getting.
1: Yeah, though no, it's just too much for me. Um, I mean, but but I'm telling you, like if you're in Maui with Nancy, like it goes fast. I mean, yeah. and she's usually there, like adjusting you in each one of them, and then boom, the other side. And um, I mean, I, I did. Honestly, have a, I did have a
0: chance to practice with her there once, and we brought Ethan, uh, our son, who he was. Nice. He was almost two, I think, and she mm-hmm. was so sweet. And she was like, "Bring uh-huh. him in, bring him in." I'm like, "Are you yeah. sure? Bringing a two year old in the room? I mean, uh,
2: oh yeah, the other practitioner is
0: mm-hmm. going to be okay with that." And and she was so yeah. sweet and nice, and she loved having kids in the room. And I just, mm-hmm. it's a pretty awesome vibe there. <laughs> yeah.
1: Oh yeah, right. Oh yeah, and then you get to go to the beach. I mean, what could be better? Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So great. I mean, I've um I've gone there quite a lot, and she's influenced me a lot. I mean, you know, my daughter's 14 now, but my daughter grew up going to that room every year mm. and, and coming down to Encinitas. I don't know, you know, I mean, I, I love having kids in the room and um, I have to say, I have my fingers crossed. I used to have children in the room at Larchmont all the time and my, my students picked up on it and they would bring their kids and wow. I'd always get in trouble because yoga works was like a corporation <laughs> and it was not okay. And I was always getting in trouble over the years for this. And um, I, I have told them, you know, if you bring me back in there, I want, you know, because now it's not a this big corporation. I, I want to have kids in the room. People should be able to bring their kids. And, you know, kids can sit and read. They learn to behave. Mm. And they learn to let their parents do yoga. And then they get the, you know, a little bit of the vibration of that. And they just think that it's super important. I mean, you know, you know your kids are...
0: Yep, yep. Yep. Absolutely. Well, do you? Would you let them bring? Say? Would you try to limit it to like books and coloring books, or would you let them bring an iPhone slash iPad in? Yeah. Not to get a little too off topic, but uh, like, like that's an interesting. You really,
1: <laughs> you really can't. You know, from you really can't control that. Yeah. Right, good In point. my opinion, like good. good. That's I cool. Guess,
0: I, was, I was hoping you would say <laughs> or that you would that you'd let yeah. them. Yeah. Because if you tell the kid, like you say, here, come with mom or dad to yoga, but you can't do mm-hmm. this, you can't do that, then they're like, they don't want to yeah. go. Yeah.
1: Right. You know, my daughter, the way to think, she said, <laughs> just to put it in context, my daughter's 14, and I bought her her first phone for her 14th birthday. Yeah, so, so that's
0: kind of holding out a long time these days, right?
1: <laughs> totally was. Uh, it was. It was a real feat. But along the way, you know, she liked to use my phone, and she had certain things on my phone that were, yeah. you know, for yeah. games or whatever. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I, there were many, many days at Larchmont where it was like, would bring things. There might be other kids that she was, you know, doing something with. Um, she would keep herself occupied for a period of time, and then eventually she'd come bother me for my phone. And you know, I'd have to put the limit on it, like, okay, you can have it for the last half hour. But you know, I mean, for a kid to be in a room like that for two hours is correct, pretty great. It so is. So I kind of had to give it give it somewhere, you know.
0: That's awesome. Yeah. That's cool. I hear you. It is. Yeah. Pri- it is pri- can you talk a little bit about your holding down the Priya yoga? That was one thing I was really excited about when I met you is because we named our daughter Priya. And you said, I had a yoga studio named Priya Yoga. And uh, that was in Chicago.
1: Yeah.
0: And I kind of got the vibe uh-huh. that you were maybe one of the first Ashtanga and or Vinyasa teachers there.
1: Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. So, oh, yeah. So let's see. Boy, we're going way back in space. Now, now. we're going backward.
0: Um, yeah, we went. By, yeah. <laughs>
1: Yeah, um, no, it's great. So I grew up in the Northwest suburbs of Chicago and I went to Northwestern University and I, and when I left school, I lived in the city, you know, and, um, and I, I took my first yoga class in Chicago. Um, and I was a personal trainer and I was like, you know, I was young. I was like, you know, 21, 22. I was doing personal training. I was really into the, you know, physicality rollerblading, all over the place. And, (laughs) um, and I taught aerobics and I taught spinning and um, this is like the early 90s. And one of the gyms that I worked at, um, I, I ended up in a power yoga, sort of a vinyasa style class that was being taught by a guy who had you know, just moved to Chicago from Santa Monica. And I took that class and the very second time I took that class, I brought my mom.
2: Uh-huh.
1: I thought it was, there was something really cool about it, right? Yeah, yeah. And... Um, I started to sort of follow him and within a few months, um, of like taking, you know, this vinyasa style class twice a week, um, somebody said, you know, there's this other class you should check out at this other place, which was like more of a yoga center. Um, and it was a a lead primary series class. And at the time it was the only Ashtanga class being offered in the entire city of Chicago. Um, and the place it was at was run by this lovely guy who was really a Hatha yoga teacher. You know, he followed a guru. I can't remember who it was even. it was, But, it you know, he had a guru and he had traveled to India and he taught Hatha yoga. Um, and then on one of his trips through India, he had encountered, you know, he had ended up in Mysore and he had taken a class with Fatabi Joyce. And so he came back and, was leading the primary series, like a counted primary series class. Mm. Um he had he he had a thick German accent and he taught it, you know, counted in Sanskrit and it was just like no explanation, like, you know, Bujapidasana and I was like, what
0: what is he saying?
1: (laughs) (laughs) What's going on in Bhujapidasana? What am I supposed to do? (laughs) Um and and, you know, this was my first Ashtanga experience. Um and when I Um, think about those, that was, and it was offered on Saturdays, right? Which of course, you know, it's like supposed to be the day you don't practice, but it was the only class. And when I found that class, I really felt like I had, you know, found something. And, um, and looking back on that, the people who were in the room in that class, literally in, you know, 1994, 95, Those people all went on to open, you know, the first yoga centers that kind of branched out Mm. as yoga expanded. I mean, that center is gone now. But other than him, I only remember there being, you know, the Iyengar school. Mm. Um, There were no other centers. Um, And the class that I had taken first was in a gym. So um, this was before yoga centers, you know. And so... Trying to think how this all went down, but um, you know, the guy who was teaching the flow classes or the power yoga classes, he was really into hosting workshops. And you know, we became friends. And I remember he brought Barrel Bender Birch, and that was the first workshop I took. Mm. Um, and then you know, later he brought you know Tim. I, I mean, he, I met Tim because of him. Uh-huh. Um, and you know, brought Richard and. Um, And eventually, you know, there were a lot of workshops that I ended up doing, but, but I remember that, you know, it was shortly after I met Tim that, you know, I went to Encinitas and that became like my thing was to go to Encinitas and, 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 you know, once I kind of. It took a while for me to figure out that, like, okay, there's this power yoga stuff I've been doing. Now there's this lead thing I've been doing on Saturdays. Okay, I'm supposed to do this on my own every day. There's nowhere to do it. There's no community for that. Right. Um, I started to like rollerblade to the beach and invite people to come practice with me. And all these other people would come and we would do yoga. Um, you know, the discipline to do a daily microcell practice was something that evolved over time because there really wasn't anybody saying to me like, do that, Mm, you know? mm. Um, but then it did. And then it came and, you know, I was traveling to see Tim. And then actually I also had a girlfriend in this group who dragged me out to San Francisco to take a workshop with this woman she had met in Mysore, And it was Dina Kingsburg. Uh Um, and so, like, between, like, for, for a very long time, Tim and Dina were the teachers for me. Like, yeah, really, yeah. really strong teachers. So,
0: I haven't met Dina, so yeah. but I can see why you would be inspired greatly <laughs> by hanging out with, with those yeah. guys. Yeah.
1: Dina's really beautiful. I mean, just her voice, just, I mean, when I hear her voice, it just, it just like then I just I just melt into water. <laughs> so it's pretty. Yeah.
0: It's pretty amazing to watch the evolution. Where you know I, I want to be optimistic. I mm. feel like um, I I started getting seriously into it like around about two thousand. I feel like there was mm-hmm. this incredible just forward momentum of excitement about yoga moving through mm. like the mid two thousands and, and um, <clears throat> I mean, even COVID out of the picture, I feel like, I don't know, 2017, 18. I mean, things were going really good here, but it almost seemed personally like there was a little turn somehow, like
2: mm-hmm. maybe
0: we had gone through this explode, like massive growth and that it was starting yeah. to restructure again. And, and then yeah. the last two years feels like it just got pulled all the way back down to the real mm. roots. It's mm-hmm. going to be so interesting to see how it regrows again. Would you agree with my analysis or
1: mm.
0: are you coming from a different space? You know, are you, what What do you, yeah. how do you see
1: um, it? I'm not 100% sure, but I think what you might be saying is like, okay, so here's what I think. I think that you're right. I mean, I remember... I didn't even get to the part where I opened a studio in Chicago, but I ended oh, up opening a studio. <laughs> That's okay. We were there, yeah. When, <laughs> yeah. when I opened it, right, there was a moment where, you know, okay, this is part of my story, but like you know, I remember the moment when, like, Christy Turlington was on the cover of Time Magazine, mm, mm-hmm. and you know, Oprah Winfrey had somebody on her show, you know, mm. and I did some work with Oprah Winfrey in Chicago right before I opened my studio, so, like, there was just And that was like pop culture. Yeah. Like Oprah at that point was like very famous. Right. So, um, and there was just, I remember having this little studio and you know, the time magazine thing came out and Christy Turlington was doing a stanga with somebody I knew in New York, you know? So it was like, okay, you know, Madonna was doing a stanga, yeah.
0: Um,
1: and and I remember like, I could, I could just feel the phone was ringing more. We had phones
0: yeah (laughs) we had had phones we had landlines
1: (laughs) we had phones and my email was aol um (laughs) so you know it was like i could you there was like this direct correlation between like what was happening out there and you could feel it growing but then you know i think what you're talking about is that you know every health club has yoga Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. you know and then there's these chains that evolved. i mean yoga works you know, I watched Yoga Works go from being, you know, this root place on Montana Avenue. They bought the Center for Yoga, and then they, you know, ended up, you know, they, the owners, Chuck and Mati, you know, sold and left L.A., you know, and this corporation became, you know, mm-hmm. a yoga teacher training program that was going all over the world, and then, you know, yoga studios being bought in New York and Houston and Atlanta, and, you know, when COVID happened that thing collapsed, right? Yeah, and the reason it yeah. collapsed so quickly is because yoga works as an entity was too big for itself,
2: mm.
1: you know? Yeah. And, um, and what I think is really great right now, is like people would say to me, are you going to open a yoga center in Los Angeles? You know, cause I had done it before. And I would always say, no, no way. I'm not, it, it's, it. there's these huge corporations, <laughs> yeah. you know, yeah, rents yeah. are so high. I would yeah. do it. Um, I still don't think I would, but, um, but I certainly had a moment during COVID where I looked around and said, if I'm ever going to do it, this is the moment because, um, cause there isn't anything now to compete mm-hmm. with. Right. Yeah. And I could yeah. actually, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, I think that what you're speaking to is that like, there's the dilution of the marketplace, yeah. right? Like yeah. there's too much yoga yeah, and people are doing, you know, 15 minute yoga app. Yep. That's um right. So that I think is the thing that's changed and and then people have such an interesting concept of like what is yoga because that's they a, think it's the thing on their app.
0: <laughs> that's a great point. You know, yesterday I went on to Google Trends, which trends.google.com you can type in. Yoga, and it'll show you exactly what state in the country you can pick the world, and you can see what related searches are the biggest. And interestingly enough, right now in the United States, in Vermont, that's where there's the most amount of people typing in the word yoga into the Google search bar. I thought that was interesting. In California, it was about 56%, and in Florida, it was like 51%. I looked at huh. Chicago, and it was somewhere right in and around about that same amount. So I was like, Vermont, what's going on up there? But then, yeah, um, <laughs> and uh, and another thought thing I thought really interesting. I went over and looked at India, like what are people searching in India for? You know, um, on Google, and it's like yoga for uh, yoga nidra. It was like mm-hmm. um, yoga kapalabhati a Breathing, it was oh. like yoga, bhujangasana. When I, went over oh. to the, yo, when I went over to the United States, it was yoga pants,
2: yeah, oh it was right.
0: yoga mats, okay, yoga supply. And I, it was such an interesting yeah. just kind of look at, you know,
1: yeah. yeah, well, and I think that this sort of circles back to so many things that we talked about. Like, I, this is why what I want to teach now is so much more personal. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I just, and, and, and customized. Right. So it's like, not everybody is going to be able, I mean, there are, I'm definitely working with people right now who are like, I had a yoga practice and I don't know how to do that anymore. And I get it. Like not everybody can find two hours or an hour and a half, Yeah, you know? And, and, Really, I just want to say this practice is so pure for you. Like, you know, you can do 30 minutes of yoga every day and it's okay. You're still in a shanghi, you know, the the things that need to be in place for that to be true have nothing to do with which postures you're doing, uh, which series you're doing um, or how much time you're spending. It's, It's a devotional piece. If, you know, you make space and time for it, but that space could be 15 minutes or 30 mm-hmm. minutes if necessary. And it's, it's, you know, are you, do you have a little space for it? Do You have a little, you know, attitude of devotion around it. Do you, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. can you, can you just maintain consistency and not get caught up in,
0: and, and anyway,
1: and so those are the things that I want to, like, I really want to help people have. And that is a little more accessible for people than this idea of, you know, I need to leave the house, go to this place, spend two hours, you know, drive back. Nobody has space for that now, you know, I think. Or not as many people have space for that now. Um,
0: I agree, Jody. I I agree. I I mean, I know there's been a lot of suffering uh, last two years in terms of lots of different (laughs) Mm -hmm. elements and struggle, Mm -hmm. but in some way, I, I try to look at it like nature is just kind of taking care of us in a way, not, in a, not like, not the COVID, but it's me like, yes. like yoga in itself in terms of like, what is really important? What are my mm-hmm. intentions? And like you said, yeah. too, like bringing it back down into these smaller, um, mm. personalized. And I really love the mm-hmm. fact that you're bringing up that it doesn't have to be you know, all or nothing, that there's this ability right. to kind of let it I mean, evolve and, mm-hmm. and, and be personal and, sh- and not necessarily really long. And, and there's right. so many benefits that can come from like kind of keeping our yoga practice going.
1: <laughs> right. Yeah, it's one of the hardest things is, um, you know, people who do a shtanga tend to, tend to set the bar really high and be competitive and all yep. of that, you know, type yeah. A. And getting somebody to, to let go of that yeah, and just encouraging them to set the bar low. Like if you set the bar low, mm. you're always going to be in success, right? Yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> that's a good point.
1: Yeah,
0: Do you, hard. I know, I mean, obviously we've gotten a little bit older, but do you feel like if when you were in your 20s coming across this stuff, do you feel like the fact that the bar was so high that that's what made you so excited? Do you think if you approached it with a low bar back in your 20s, would you be just as interested? I tend to think I would have been. Like I think because uh-huh. that bar can, obviously the bar can get raised and lowered. But um, I guess I just well, love that fact of evolution of like how much energy we had in our 20s. To, like Oh my God, right? As approaching and 50, honestly, I'm like, you know, wow, yeah. it's a little different.
1: <laughs> I have to say if Ashanga yoga hadn't been so compelling, I might not have had yeah. the level of attraction, That is right? interesting, but right? Yeah. Nah. Because I was, like I said, I was like I was I was a little, like I like, say, like I was a little <laughs> bit of a sick puppy, you know. I was like I was racing all over on my rollerblades and teaching a spinning class and then doing stanga and then you know teaching a step aerobics. I don't know. I just I did all that stuff, you know, climbing a stair stairmaster, whatever it was. I was a little bit like, and it took about I remember it took about ten years of ashtanga before I could sit and meditate mm. and you know that was kind of like the first 10 years was like oh I'm just going to sit still now and I don't want to do those other things anymore and I'm only doing Ashtanga and you know this is the path right, right. and that was when you know, I went to India and you know I had a studio and those were the things I was you know bringing my attention to <clears throat> it, it took me a little while just to sort it all out um,
0: I hear you Thank goodness we're, yeah. we're, we're aging. <laughs>
1: right. Jody, totally, totally. I,
0: I love your optimism and enthusiasm. And I, I, I know you're very busy and you're a busy mm-hmm. mom. So I, I, I don't want to take too much more of your time. However, I have one more question. Is there yeah. a myth that you a myth in yoga yoga myth and or a myth that you came across in India or maybe something outside of even the yoga realm that you've gravitated toward or that you keep coming back to and or draw inspiration from
1: are you looking for like an actual like story like a like a Tim like a like a you know Hanumanasana kind of thing or are you yeah, talking about I, like because well, like, I mean I feel like there's a lot of um sort of things about Ashtanga yeah. that I wish that I could, that I like to, to sort of break those Please. Break the boundaries that of. That sounds know? perfect. I I'd, mean, I'd
0: like to see you go that go that direction.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, no, this is the whole, it, it, it does circle back to this idea that, you know, to do Ashtanga, you have to be a certain kind of physicality, <clears throat> or you have to have a certain amount of time, or you have to, you know, whatever, do certain poses. And, and what I have really found, like, I mean, I've taught Ashtanga more than once um, to students who have, you know, one arm that works and the other arm doesn't. Mm. Um, or, you know, are, are suffering from a di- disease that's terminal or, um, you know, all sorts of things. Of course, pregnant women, you know, are a great example of a, of a spot where it's like it's still Ashtanga even if you can't do all the poses. But I really think the art of Ashtanga is understanding the practice and then being able to apply it, right? Not mm. doing the practice in a certain way. Right. Mm. And so I really like to sort of bust through that mythology because it comes up so much where you see students who are like, wait, you mean I don't have to, you know, stand up from a drop back before I can do Pashasana mm. and go into second, mm-hmm. right? Like, yeah. Mm. yeah. You know, and I would say, yeah, for sure. Like, as a matter of fact, you know, yeah, let's, you know, you've been doing this for too long already. Let's move, right? Um, And I think it it gives people a lot more permission to participate in the Shtanga when it's so much more accessible um, than having it be something that's so challenging and and hard to do, um, that only a few people can do it then, Right because they're naturally inclined or they're of the right age or they have the time um so yeah so for me it's like it's this story that Ashtanga has to be kind of this thing that we put it in this little box we put it in
0: i love that i feel like when cool. i when i got a chance to practice near you and speak with you and ask you questions um when was that when were we in California with Tim? You know what I thought, the, I
1: think it came up. I think it was like six years ago.
0: Was it oh not? No, wait, wait, no, no. It's twenty twenty. Was it twenty thirteen? Anyway, I should. Could I have should been thirteen have, or fourteen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and I feel like as I started asking you questions, you kind of you really did kind of bust the myth down a little bit for me, which really helped me. Actually, it gave me kind of gave me a little encouragement because I. I kind of felt like low man on the totem pole in that room. (laughs) Everybody was so (laughs) unbelievable. That was a
1: crazy room. We should say, we were doing Tim Miller's first ever advanced third series teacher training and people came from all over the world and it was a pretty incredible. It was. Yeah.
0: It was amazing. And, you know, I really, I just, I'm so excited to have this chance to connect with you again, Jody, um, because I really enjoyed my, 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 the chance I had to practice with you. And I am very appreciative for you niching out some time for me and for us today. And your optimism and enthusiasm is infectious. And I I hope that everyone listening wants to kind of keep their yoga going after, after hearing this. Thank you. Thank you.
1: Uh, You're so welcome. It was a pleasure.
0: Thank you. I wish uh, really good health for you and all in your family, and I can't wait to reconnect somewhere again in the future. Yeah,
1: let's
0: do that. Awesome, Jody. Yeah. Thank Thank you. you. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Native Yoga Toddcast is produced by myself. The theme music is dreamed up by Bryce Allen. If you like this show, let me know. If there's room for improvement, I want to hear that too. We are curious to know what you think and what you want more of, what I can improve. And if you have ideas for future guests or topics, please send us your thoughts to info at Native Yoga Center. You can find us at nativeyogacenter.com. And hey, if you did like this episode, share it with your friends, rate it and review and join us next time.